0: Thank you for joining us today. God is true to his word. He takes care of his children. In all aspects of our lives, we must make godly decisions and trust him for the outcome. The ever-increasing deprivation in our secular society is unrelenting, yet we should not be surprised because God said these things would be. We must stand firm, always making godly decisions no matter what. Listen as Pastor Randor ministers to us with Bible, pen, and paper handy.
1: He will be still in here, so their conviction would fall and hearts would be changed, revived, saved to the glory of God. We ask these blessings in Jesus' name and all God's children said, amen. God bless you. You may be seated as you turn to First Kings chapter 3, verses 5 through 9. First Kings. First Kings chapter 3, verses 5 through 9. First Kings chapter 3. Verses 5 through 9, you'll find these words. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. God said, ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, you have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father, David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours. And from this particular passage, we want to preach a family message, uh, which is entitled, Achieving Success Through Godly Decision Making in the Family. Achieving success through godly decision making in the family. Families have all kinds of decisions to make, and uh, we can make decisions that will progress us or regress us, regress us, And it's critical that we make the right decisions that are honorable to our Lord. In this particular passage, Solomon had major decisions to make as king over Israel instead of his father, who is now going to be gathered with his fathers. He is now uh, ruling over a people that is too numerous to be counted, which means that you can't even fix a number on the people that Solomon was ruling over because there was a vast multitude of people and therefore in humility Solomon says but I'm a little child Lord I do not know how to to go out and don't even know how to come in when I look at the masses of people that you have put me in charge over and your servant is in the midst of a people whom you have chosen a great people too numerous Uh, to be numbered or counted. Subsequently, Solomon asked God for wisdom and an understanding heart to judge the Lord's people that he may discern between good and evil. And like Solomon, we as families today, we are confronted with major, major decisions that will either bring us success in our families or failures in our family. That's why you're pouring your lives into your children because you want them to make the right decisions because, you know, if they make wrong decisions, there will be a tremendous backlash in their lives. Sometimes uh, they will spend a lifetime of recovery and you want them to really avoid some of the pitfalls that you fell in. So decision-making is so critical. So I really want the children to hear this message, uh, even as much as we adults. With that being said... What decisions must families make in order to have a healthy, quality family life? How many of you want a healthy family? I mean, how many of you want a quality family? Amen. Then it is critical that we make the right decisions that that the Lord will lead us into so that we can see victory uh, in our family life. Number one, consider this. Uh, As a family, we must make a decision not to worry. We must make a decision not to worry. What is worry? The English term worry comes from an old German word meaning to choke or strangle. Uh, Worry will choke you. It will strangle you. Worry chokes us mentally and emotionally until it literally wipes us out to the point that we'll know earthly or kingdom good. And so many families are worried about so many things. Worry, worry. It is to have a troubled heart. It is to have a heaviness of heart. Worry is to have anxious thoughts. To worry is to have an uneasy state of mind. To worry is to be in mental distress. To worry is to have a distracted Or to have a divided mind which draws us in many directions, literally pulling our lives apart. You know what worry does? Worry clings to you. It dominates you. It consumes your thinking as you turn the problems in your life, in your family, over and over and over in your mind. Now, how are we going to work this out? How are we going to work that out? You're not able to just trust the Lord and just let it go. Even though the scripture is clear that worrying is a sin, I believe the sin of worrying is committed by Christians more than any other sin. Worry is a sin because we distrust the promises and providence of God to provide for his children. You, if you're saved, you're a child of God. And God says, will you trust me? What are things uh, uh, that family worry about? What are things family worry about? Let me just give you a few of them. Inability to have children, safety of our children, the choices our children make, and there can be some bad ones. Terrorism, health, economy, death, bills. How will I ever forgive the person who hurt me? Many parents worry about the future, worry about rejection. Even children worry about rejection in school. Parents worry about how will I pay for my my child's college education. Some of you worry about, I'm not good enough. How will I make it alone? You're you, you worried about relatives who are serving in the military in harm's way in other countries. Uh, some of you worry worried about what people think of you, and I don't know why you're worried about that. Some of you worry worried about the inability to qualify for long-term disability insurance, the rising cost of health insurance, cost of living such as food, gas, utilities, daycare, taxes, what if my parents become dependent on me for support? Will I ever get married? I'm 40 years old, still not married. Something wrong with me. Uh, some of you worried about passing exams, and if you're not studying, you ought to be worried. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you ought to be worried if you're not studying. Some of you worried about cancer because it's dominant in your family. Some of you worried about sins of the past. All of us have sins of the past. Scripture says there's none righteous, no, not one. But we worry about the sins of the past, and we hope that closet of our past life stays shut and nobody open it, opens it. Uh, You're worried about what if my, my husband or my wife committed adultery once? Will they mess over me again? Others worry about dementia and Alzheimer's, layoffs, loss of job. And some of you worried about getting caught. Yeah, <laughs> There's so many things <clears throat> you can worry about. You better repent and cry to God. And... Um, Start living right, maybe have mercy on you. Amen. Why do Christians worry? God says don't worry, but why do we turn around and worry anyway? Uh, because we fail to take God at his word and believe without doubting. You worry because you fail to take God at his word and believe him without doubting. Look at the commands of Jesus in Matthew 6, starting with the 25th verse. In Matthew 6, 25a, it says, therefore, <clears throat> I say to you, do not worry about your life. Jesus himself saying, don't worry. I'm the authority. I, I, I'm going to tell you not to worry. He's the authoritarian. Verse 28a says, he says, why do you worry about clothing? Verse 31a, therefore do not worry, Jesus says. In 34a, he says, therefore do not worry about tomorrow. Beloved, if you doubt the words of Jesus, you will worry. I want to reiterate that. If you doubt what Jesus says, you will worry because we worry because we take our eyes off the Lord and focus on our circumstances. We focus on our problems. We, fo- we focus on the words of men, what people say, secular talk shows, what the media is saying. Some of you are so media driven until the media drives you into a state of worriness. Instead of trusting the word of God, you look at media, 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 news, 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 talk here, talk, 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 talk shows, and they and they spiral you into worry. Uh, Matthew 6 24 he says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, says Jesus. Friends, understand that as a child of God, he is orchestrating every detail of your life and is in complete control over your life. From conception to death, he's orchestrating every detail of your life. He knows where you're going to be tomorrow, next year, the next second. He he knows where you've been, where you are, where you're headed. Why don't we just settle down and trust God? He will not allow anything to come into your life without his divine permission. The only thing you receive are those things that come into your life by His divine permission. Now, some things we bring on ourselves. And we, that's a whole nother issue. But, 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 but majority of things that come into our lives come by His divine permission. Then whatever we're going through should not cause us to worry. I love what the passage says in Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven. It says, be anxious for nothing. Anxious. Be anxious for nothing means what? Don't worry about what? Nothing. Don't worry about what? Y'all kind of weak. Don't worry about what? Don't worry about what? Don't worry about... But why do you worry then? The scripture says, don't worry about nothing. Oh, God, I'm going to get through this. Can't sleep at night. You're stressed. You're a hot mess. And yet you read the scripture says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Why do we worry? We worry because of a lack of faith. Matthew 630 says, Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? You know why you worry? It's because you got such a teeny tiny faith. One of the greatest prayers you can pray is, Lord, increase my faith. As we engage in our 40 days of fasting prayer, why don't you put that on your sheet? Lord, during these 40 days, my faith has been quite weak, and I need you in these 40 days' time to increase my faith. Beloved, do you not realize that if God takes care of the grass, which has such a short lifespan, will he not much more clothe you, oh, you of little faith? The God who grows your grass, you mow the grass, you cut it down, you put it in a bag, set it on the curve to be thrown away. If he takes care of the grass, you can put fertilizer on it, but it's God who has to turn it green. That's right. If, if God doesn't go to grass, it won't grow. Now, you can't be walking all on it. Amen. You can't mistreat the grass and expect it to grow, but God grows the grass. You can put all kinds of fertilizer on it. You can pamper it. You can tweet it. You can keep all kinds of anti-bug stuff on it. But if God doesn't grow the grass, it will not grow. He says, if I take care of the grass, can I take care of you, the crown of my creation? Why do we worry? Because we fail to trust the Lord for tomorrow and surrender it to him. You see, Matthew 6, 34 says, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Listen, you're not out of today yet. Why are you off in tomorrow and next week? You can't deal with what's happening now. <laughs> Worrying about tomorrow will cause us to be less productive today. You need to trust the Lord for tomorrow and allow him to help you make the most of this day. This day. Why do we worry? Because of a lack of Contentment with God We worry because of a lack of contentment with God. Uh, Philippians 4:11 says, "Not that I speak in regard of need, to need, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. My wife and I and the team were over in Africa, and we saw some of the poorest of the poor. And yet when I got through preaching, some were so moved, some were so moved. I could not believe that some would even have the audacity to come up and give me money after I preach at the end of the service. Happened a number of times. And I looked and I have all these shillings in my hand. I said, what are these people giving me money for as poor as they are? And, I, and um, up in Kabbalah in the mountains, one of the sessions, I reached over to Pastor Johnson of Bakushab. I said, Johnson, I got all these shillings in my hand that I've collected all the way around with people as poor as they are giving so much. And yet, we have so much over here and then give so little. And I I, I reached over and I couldn't take them. I really I took it because they wanted to show gratitude, as they were showing gratitude, and I didn't want to offend them. So I I took it, but I wasn't bringing it back to America. So I, I reached over and I said to Pastor Johnson, who is the poorest pastor? It was Pastor's Conference. Who is the poorest pastor in this Pastor's Conference? And he whispered over and told me the name of the person. I said, tell him to come here. And I came and I told him that the Lord led me to give, give you, the, and I gave him all, all, the, all the shillings that I collected throughout Uganda and put it in his, he was so mesmerized. He hugged me over and over and over and over again. And by the way, we do thank you preachers for, for contributing because there, so many pastors had come in, and then they were over their budget. And so we asked the preachers, wives, would you be so kind enough to contribute to the cause? And, and they attributed some $1,200 or so uh, to help get pastors come. They were coming, you know, walking 100 miles, to, taking shortcuts through the mountains to hear the word of God. We can't drive the church in a car, even through a few drops of rain. You just to, to, to see the commitment, the passion, the worship, the zeal. And yet the more we have, the more ugly we act. We have this entitlement mentality. What are you doing with my money? Well, if it's your money, you shouldn't have given it. Those people were free. They loved the Lord. They were content and they trusted God without a pantry full of food, without having the essentials of life. They loved their Lord. They loved their God, my friends, a a lack of contentment in Christ will make you worry. 1 Timothy 6, chapter 6, verses 6 through 8 says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Beloved, when you live godly and become satisfied and content with Jesus alone, your heart will be at ease. When you are content, your heart will be serene. Some of you are greedy. That's why you worry. You want more, more. I five, six, seven, ten, fifteen. Uh, you worry. Uh, you, you can't rest in Christ. Your heart, you, 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 your heart is supposed to be untroubled, but you're troubled by the cares of this world because you want more. If the Lord doesn't give us another thing, he's already given us far more than we deserve. How many of y'all believe that? If he does not give us another thing, he's already given us far more than we deserve. First Timothy 6, 8 says, and having food and clothing with these or uh, we shall be content. You, let me tell you something about contentment. Contentment is not circumstantial. In other words, it is not based on our circumstances. It, a contentment is to have an inner tranquility from the Lord. Contentment is to have an inner tranquility from the Lord that surpasses human, re, human reasoning and human comprehension when everything else around you is falling apart. That, 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 that's contentment, you all. Contentment is not circumstantial. It is to have an inner tranquility from the Lord that surpasses human reasoning. You can't understand it. You can't comprehend it. When everything around you is falling apart, that puts your faith in God on display. I ask you a question before we transition to the next point. Is Jesus enough for you? Is Jesus enough for you? If he's enough for you, then why do you worry? and why can't you be satisfied? Let's go to the next point, dealing with families. So families, we, we uh, tr- trust God to remove the worry. Ask God to help you to rest in him. There will always be issues. There will always be problems. There will always be things topsy-turvy. But ask God to help to release you from worry so that you can live a qualitative life to the glory of God. Second point i like I say to families. Are y'all listening? Uh, uh, number two, uh, 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 in decision-making for the family that brings victory, husbands and wives must make a decision to remain faithfully married until death do you part and refuse to threaten each other with divorce when an issue arrives. You get that? I want to say it again because it has profound significance. Husbands and wives must make a decision, say decision, to remain faithfully married until death do you part and refuse to threaten each other with divorce when an issue arises. You do this again, I'm going to divorce you. I'm not talking about people that's going around sleeping around, bringing you AIDS and all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about uh, he forgot something at H-E-B and you're talking about you're going to divorce him. Okay, come on, get a man a break. If he's that forgetful, you go get it. <laughs> okay, all right. Incom- uh, 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 incompatible differences, what is it? irreconcilable differences, everything irreconcilable, irreconcilable. She looked at me funny, irreconcilable differences. Uh, she do not keep her hair, irreconcilable difference. Uh, he's slow, you know, he don't, he's not on time, he's not punctual, irreconcilable differences. You love that word. Where's the word commitment? Say commitment. Love is a commitment. Commitment. Don't be threatening your husband or your wife with the big D word. First Corinthians 13, 8, says, love never fails. Huh, that's a big one. Love never fails. You know, I don't love him no more. This Bible tells me love never fail. You willed yourself to love him once, you can will yourself to love him again. It is an act of your what will. Will. And Malachi chapter 2 verse 16a says, For the Lord God of Israel says, he leaves no doubt who's doing the talking, for the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. And even though there are very limited grounds for biblical divorce, the bottom line even though there are a couple of biblical grounds he still hates it at the end of the day. Beloved, do not look uh at the role mo- the wrong role models uh to to get help in your marriage. Don't look don't you dare look at don't don't make movie stars your role model. I mean they they change uh, husbands and wives like they change an underwear. D- don't look at professional athletes, they can't stay together for the most part. Don't show, don't look at the politicians. Don't look at musicians because they are, they can be oft times your worst example. Let the Bible be your final authority of how to build a marriage. Realize husbands and wives realize you are two imperfect people. Okay. Two people making one flesh. But you're two imperfect people serving a perfect God. This means your marriage will have problems because of your imperfections. You will have challenges, there will be misunderstandings. However, take comfort that Jesus is the great problem solver and that there is no problem that intrudes into your marriage that he cannot resolve. None. None. First Corinthians 13:4a says, "Love is patient." And the kind it's patient you to be patient with your wife, patient with your husband, patient with your children, and we know when you're not patient because you you're not being kind, but you won't. I told you once you you can't get it yet, you know you're short you're snappy, you're naggy, you know, and uh you 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 you, you angry. But 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 those are signs of impatience. When you really love your spouse, you'll be patient with him or her and you'll be kind. In other words, you know your spouse's weaknesses and you know their strengths. You've been together long enough unless you just got married. Therefore, be patient with your spouse. Give them room to grow and allow the Lord to bring them into spiritual maturity in his time. Realize that only God can change your spouse. You are fighting a losing battle if it is your goal to make your wife do right. Make your husband move faster. Okay. Stop stressing yourself. You cannot change your spouse. Pray to the Lord who is able. And sometimes God is saying, you wanted me to change him, but I really need to deal with you. I need to change you before I change him.
0: <laughs> we lose when we say we belong to God, yet do not do the things he says. When we surrender our lives, we are saying that we willingly live in total submission to him. Jesus willingly suffered and died for us, thereby paying for our salvation in full. We must stand on the promises of God no matter what the cost, because in the end, we will inherit eternal life free of charge. The price has been paid in full. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683.